Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Wikishuffle and your second bonus episode in as many weeks. What a treat. Mm. Lucky, lucky people. You keep telling the listeners that they're very lucky. They are. They are. They're, they're lucky <laughs> yeah. people. Okay, all right. I think it's up to them if they think they're lucky. No. Overkill, I would say. Yeah, I'm all right with that. Um, so welcome to Wikishuffle. My name's Phil and I'm doing the hosting because we're doing a bonus episode. And I'm joined by... I'm Jack. My name is Chris. We've thrown this episode out to listener suggestions again, and we had one particular suggestion that was such a doozy um, that we didn't have room for it in last week's special, so it's getting a whole episode all to itself. It's a good one. And it is one that um, I had earmarked because we were, do- we were, for our original run of bonus episodes, we picked our own topics. We each had an mm-hmm. episode where we picked a topic, um, and this was one that I nearly picked, so... It's quite something. It's quite a life. This is from Matt Latham, um, who is the curator of the uh, the bottle ep. The bottle episode. The bottle episode. You have written for it. <laughs> Come on, Phil. Yeah, a TV website. A very good TV um, blog website. Blog website. www.bottleepisode.com forward slash HTML. No, <laughs> bottleepisode.co.uk okay. is where you should go. It's very good. There's some good stuff on there. There is. Uh, about a very wide selection of TV shows. Stuff that you wouldn't normally read articles about. So, A cracker. It's a cracker. Oh, no, like cracker. Mm, Robbie Coltrane. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think there's anything on there about it. There's no cracker. No one's ever written a blog about cracker. Find that you hard found to your niche, Chris. <laughs> I'm pretty Every sure there episode. isn't a single subject that no one has written a blog. I don't know if there's no. a Cracker podcast. Just I've, saying. I've never actually seen Cracker. Me neither. I don't know why you made me think of Cracker. Anyway, this article is a Cracker. <laughs> leading us back onto the subject. Phil, what's it all about? Adrian Carton de Wiart. Lieutenant General Sir Adrian Paul Gislaine Carton de Wiart. VC, KBE, CB, CMG, DSO. Too many letters. That's a lot of letters to get after mm-hmm. their name. I... I don't have any letters. Oh, Just the ones that come in, Chris Wallace. <laughs> but they're not even good ones. There's a W in there. Is that good? No. Where would you rank that? W? Oh, yeah. About 23rd. Oh, oh it is. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Born 
5th of May 1880, died 5th of June 1963, was a British Army officer and recipient of the Victoria Cross, the highest military decoration awarded for valour in the face of the enemy in various Commonwealth countries. He served in the Boer War, the First World War and the Second World War and was shot in the face, head, stomach, ankle, leg, hip and ear. What's left? Uh, the ghoulies? <laughs> just, just ghoulies by just the that. end. It was a very small casket. Oh. He survived two plane crashes, tunnelled out of a prisoner of war camp and bit off his own fingers when a doctor refused to amputate them. Describing his experiences in the First World War, he wrote, Frankly, I'd enjoyed the war. <laughs> Would you rather get in a plane crash or have your ear shot off? Ear shot off? Ghoulies? Mm-hmm, plane crash. Okay. You'd rather plane crash than ghoulies? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even say get shot in the ghoulies, I just said ghoulies. Right, Would you rather suck some ghoulies or mm. get in a plane crash? Suck the ghoulies, wouldn't you? Gay. (laughs) (laughs) New heights. (laughs) New heights for the podcast. I've never been prouder of our accomplishments as a comedy podcast. (sighs) After returning home from service in the Second World War, he was sent to China as Winston Churchill's personal representative. While en route, he attended the Cairo Conference. In his memoirs, Carton de Wiart wrote, Governments may think and say as they like, but force cannot be eliminated, and it is the only real and unanswerable power. We are told that the pen is mightier than the sword, but I know which of these weapons I would choose. Hasn't quite got the hang of that metaphor, has he? Willfully <laughs> misunderstood. That it, it's not about a literal fight with us, because I would rather have a sword in mm. that context. But if I'm writing a letter... The Oxford Dictionary of National Biography described him thus. With his black eye patch and empty sleeve, Carton de Wiart looked like an elegant pirate and became a figure of legend. He's pretty cool looking. He does look pretty cool. He could have been James Bond if they had James Bond films back then. He's too rugged for Bond. Uh, I think Daniel Craig's pretty rugged. He's not rugged. He ain't got an eye patch. <laughs> yeah, he's got both his arms. Yeah, okay, Bond with an eye patch would be pretty strange. It would. Mm. His depth perception would be so off, he wouldn't be able to jump onto the trains. <laughs> he, does, he does a lot of train jumping, doesn't he? <laughs> so he spends it's like one of his main skills. You, you do need depth perception for that, that's true. Carton de Wiart was born into an aristocratic family in Brussels on the 5th of May 1880. By his contemporaries, he was widely believed to be an illegitimate son of King of the Belgians, Leopold II. He spent his early days in Belgium and in England. The death of his Irish mother when he was six prompted his father to move the family to Cairo so his father could practice international law. His father was a court magistrate, well-connected in Egyptian governmental circles and was a director of the Cairo Electric Railways. He learned to speak Arabic. Carton de Wiart was Roman Catholic. In 1891, his English stepmother sent him to a boarding school in England, the Roman Catholic Oratory School, founded by Cardinal John Henry Newman. From there, he went to Balliol College, Oxford, but left to join the British Army at the time of the Second Boer War, around 1899, where he entered under the false name of Trooper Carton Mm -hmm. and claimed to be 25 years old. Carton de Wiart was wounded in the stomach and groin in South Africa. Oh, they did get him in the (laughs) His shoelies aren't as intact as we thought. There's nothing left that hasn't been hit. He's got his fingers, his eye, his other eye seems fine. 
Seems fine. Seems fine. It's fine. It seems fine. fine. Is it fine? <laughs> oh, Jesus, fine? that okay. is a bad injury. He was invalided home and his father found out about him leaving college. His father was furious but allowed his son to remain in the army. He wouldn't say no. I don't think I'd say no to this man in any context. No. Any context at all. After another brief period at Oxford where Aubrey Herbert was among his friends, he was given a commission in the Second Imperial Light Horse. He saw action in South Africa again and on 14th of September 1901 was given a regular commission as second lieutenant in the 4th Dragoon Guards. Carton de Wiart was transferred to India in 1902. He enjoyed sports, especially shooting and pig sticking. Pig sticking. Pig that? Pig st- David Cameron's favourite pastime. <laughs> <laughs> pig sticking is just boar hunting. It's not as exciting oh, okay. as what it might be. Character interests and life in the Edwardian army. Carton de Wiart's serious wound in the Boer War instilled in him a strong desire for physical fitness, and he ran, jogged, walked, and played sports on a regular basis. In male company, he was a delightful character and must hold the world record for bad language. <laughs> See, now, this is one of those things where, yeah, you would say that, but I bet all his mates are thinking, he's a, he's a bit of a dick. I don't know. Do we have to invite him? After his regiment was transferred to South Africa, he was promoted to supernumerary lieutenant in 1904. What is what is all this lieutenant business? Oh, it's army ranks. It's complicated and myriad. And yeah, why is it not just lieutenant? What's going on? Well, I don't because understand. we're not American. But why yet? Okay. Mm-hmm. But do you not think just this once, for the first time ever, the Americans have got it right and we've got it wrong? Oh, it sets a come precedent, on. doesn't it? Lieutenant. It's, it's set, obviously not lieutenant. It sets a precedent I'm not comfortable with. It's lieutenant. Okay, fine. <laughs> and, and appointed an aide de camp to the commander in chief, Sir Henry Hildyard, in the following July. He describes this period lasting up to 1914 as his heyday. His light duties as aide de camp gave him time for polo, another of his interests. By 1907, although Carton de Wiart had now served in the British Army for eight years, he had remained a Belgian subject. On the 13th of September that year, he took the oath of allegiance to Edward VII and was formally naturalised as a British subject. Carton de Wiart was well-connected in European circles, his two closest cousins being Count Henry Carton de Wiart, Prime Minister of Belgium, and Baron Edmund Carton de Wiart, Political Secretary to the King of Belgium and Director of La Société Générale de Belgique. While on leave, he travelled extensively throughout Central Europe using his Catholic aristocratic connections to shoot at country estates in Bohemia, Austria, Hungary and Bavaria. In 1908, he married Countess Frederica Maria Caroline Henrietta Rosa Sabina Franziska Fuga von Babenhausen. Yeah. Babenhausen. (laughs) (laughs) Schwing. Countess von Babenhausen. That's a good name. I'm going to read that name again because that's more than a name. Countess Frederica Maria Caroline Henrietta Rosa Sabina Franziska Fuga von Babenhausen. Incredible. Mm -hmm. The eldest daughter of Karl Ludwig, the fourth Prince Fuga Babenhausen. Babe. And Princess Eleonora Fuga von Babenhausen. Yes, Chris, stop saying babe. You're not David Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) Of Klagenfurt, Austria. They had two daughters, the elder of whom, Anita, born 1909, (laughs) she was the maternal grandmother of the war correspondent, Anthony Lloyd. Excellent. I don't know who that is, but it's a a flourish of detail there. Hmm. 
In his memoirs, Happy Odyssey, which Aww. is a great name for a memoir. That's nice. Carton de Wiart makes no reference to his wife or to his daughters. Hundred well, percent lad. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he's like the modern or the the historical version of Lad Bible. Oh, yeah. Don't give them any reference. Well, it's only a matter of time before they steal something we've done anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's not okay. It's not okay. They do it all the time. Well, Buzzfeed do it. Yeah, but that's not okay either. I know it's not okay. It's they, absolutely I, not. No, it's not. But they, I think, well, I think they credit people. And they do a bit. They've got better for it, Buzzfeed, and they definitely generate. They are their doing own more original now, yeah. and, and it's quite <clears throat> high-minded content. A lot of the stuff mm. they're doing. So Buzzfeed has definitely upped its game. Lad Bible do fuck all. No, they just go on Twitter and steal stuff. Mm. Yeah. And shout lad. The Somaliland campaign. When the First World War broke out, Carton de Wiart was en route to British Somaliland where a low-level war was underway against the followers of Mohammed bin Abdullah, called the Mad Mullah by the British. Yeah, mm. we're British. <laughs> Carton de Wiart had been seconded to the Somaliland Camel Corps. Camel Corps! <laughs> it sounds cool. The Camel Corps. That's, yeah. That's pretty cool, isn't you it? You serve in the Camel Corps. That's your job. A staff officer with the Corps... I'm just moving on. A staff <laughs> officer with the Corps was Hastings Ismay, later Lord Ismay, Churchill's military advisor. Hastings, that's a great Christian yeah. name, isn't mm. it? In an attack upon an enemy fort at Shimba Beris, Carton de Wiart was shot twice in the face, losing his oh. eye and also a portion of his ear. Twice in the face. Twice in the face. You never want to get shot twice. Don't stick your fingers I just knew where it was going. I knew where it was going. (laughs) Oh, you're right. You thought I was going to... Okay, I get you. You didn't want it to come an innuendo. I knew knew that's where we were going. In your endo. (laughs) Yeah, we got that in the end. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) Why did I make that sound? (laughs) He was awarded... twice in the eye as well. You don't want it in the eye. No. Stings. It would probably sting. Definitely stings. I bent back my fingernail at work the other day, and that really hurt, but it's fine now. Okay, good. Okay. That's not really related, but fine. I'm just saying that comparatively, yeah, we're pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> We've both been through hardships, pain. Pills also been endure. through the First World War, so leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just too easy, isn't it? It is. <laughs> the Western Front... In February 1915, he embarked on a steamer for France. Carton de Wiart took part in the fighting on the Western Front, commanding successively three infantry battalions and a brigade. He was wounded seven more times in the war, losing his left hand in 1915 and pulling off his fingers when a doctor declined to remove them. What? Get a second opinion. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Just (laughs) pulling them off. I've got some killing to be done. I've got a feeling, (sighs) and if you're this guy and you've had all these injuries, I don't think he's the best at war. No. (laughs) I think, you know, he's he's a trier. Everyone loves a trier. He's a fighter. He's a survivor. Yeah. He's he's not very good at war. Surely if you're good at something, you'd think, I'm fine. Look, I did all this stuff and I haven't hurt myself once. I'm the best at war. 
Yeah. <laughs> and this guy comes up and gets all these medals and stuff. And like, there's nothing left of him. Half his bits are in India. <laughs> he's not been he hasn't to been India. to India, so that's a bit well, weird. What's he doing sending his shot off bits to India? That's just weird. He's mental. It's, yeah. As if they didn't have enough to worry about at this time. <laughs> Bloody Indians getting fingers in the post. <laughs> he was shot through the skull and ankle at the Battle of the Somme. Dead. Through the hip at the Battle of Passchendaele. Dead. And through the leg at Cambrai and through his ear at Arras. And he's already had part of his ear shot off. It's like Home Alone. And after each one of those injuries, what was he doing going to another battle? That's it. I mean, the great thing about being non-fatally wounded in a war is you get to not do the war Mm. anymore. Mm. That's the joy of that. There's some relief to be had. Oh, I've been shot in the leg. I can go home exactly. now. I can go and you know get on with something else. Those nurses, the things that you're good at, they can look after me. Yeah. Eventually, he went to the Sir Douglas Shields nursing home to recover from his injuries. Finally, phew. Um, he was promoted to temporary major in March 1916, and subsequently attained the rank of temporary lieutenant colonel on the 18th of July. Was breveted to major on the 1st of January 1917, and was promoted to temporary brigadier general on the 12th of January 1917. It's 11 days between promotion. That's some pretty efficient hmm. rise up the charts, isn't it? Or just moving him about because he's crap. Bad luck, I'd imagine. You wouldn't want to have him on your team. You get shot at a lot. <laughs> well, they're focusing all their fire on him, it seems. Yes. That's where all the bullets are going. <laughs> he was appointed an officer of the Order of the Crown of Belgium in April 1917. On the 3rd of June 1917, Carton de Wiart was breveted to Lieutenant Colonel. On the 18th of July, he was promoted to the substantive rank of Major in the Dragoon Guards. Wow. So it's like seven promotions in 14 months. It's not bad going for someone who's so terrible at war. Mm. Victoria Cross. Carton de Wiart received the Victoria Cross, the highest award for gallantry in combat that can be awarded to British Empire forces. In 1916, when he was 36 years old and a temporary lieutenant colonel in the 4th Dragoon Guards, the British Army attached to the Gloucestershire Regiment, commanding the 8th Battalion, when the following events took place on the 2nd and 3rd of July 1916 at La France, as recorded in the official citation. Captain Temporary Lieutenant Colonel Adrian Carton de Wiart, DSO Dragoon Guards, for most conspicuous bravery, coolness and determination during severe operations of a prolonged nature, it was owing in a great measure to his dauntless courage and inspiring example that a serious reverse was averted. He displayed the utmost energy and courage in forcing our attack home. After three other battalion commanders had become casualties, he controlled their commands and ensured that the ground one was maintained at all costs. He frequently exposed himself in the organisation of positions and of supplies, passing unflinchingly through fire barrage of the most intense (laughs) nature. Unflinchingly, but not successfully. (laughs) His gallantry was inspiring to all. Read mental. Yeah. In his in his autobiography, Happy Odyssey, there is no mention of his Victoria Cross, <laughs> and it fell to the publishers to add a special section covering the award. What was in this um, this memoir? Tuesday, add <laughs> stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just a food blog. That would be amazing. <laughs> the pies weren't up to much, <laughs> and swear words, really sweary food blog. That's Yelp all reviews. it is. <laughs> Despite um, yeah. all his wounds in the war, Carton de Wiart said at the end, frankly, I had enjoyed the war. And this <laughs> is, this is, you know, 
20 years before he's in the Second World War. Yeah. And he's had this much of a uh-huh. shitty time. So oh. there's a there's a painting here of um, Sir... Was he Sir at this point? I don't think... No, he wasn't. That's he's the painting sir, by yeah. Sir William Orpen. Yes. Um, painting by Sir William Orpen of a BI-patched Dewey art. Which doesn't appear to be finished. He doesn't look like he really wants to be there. It's not didn't. your traditional. There's no. He's got his eye patch on. His it, eye patch is cool. He's not making a big deal out of his sort of medals and ribbons like you'd expect in this kind of thing. He looks like he's about to just step out of frame at any moment because he's got some killing to do. Mm-hmm. To attempt. <laughs> to, to attempt, yeah. He's got to go somewhere and be shot. He's <laughs> yeah. like 50 Cent. We'll get on to his rapping career later. Mm-hmm. Cool, so. okay. He invented um, hip hop. Yeah. At the end of the war, Carton de Wiart was sent to Poland as second in command of the British Poland military mission under General Louis, Louis Botha. Carton de Wiart was appointed a companion of the Order of the Bath uh, in the 1919 King's Birthday Honours List. After a brief period, he replaced General Botha in the mission to Poland. Poland desperately needed support as it was engaged with the Bolshevik Russia in the Polish-Soviet War, the Ukrainians in the Polish-Ukrainian War, the Lithuanians in the Polish-Lithuanian War, and the Czechs in the Czech-Polish border conflict. Good God. Wow, poor Poland. Why is everyone well, that just being, You know, if you, if you meet assholes all day, you're the asshole. That's all I'm saying, Poland. <laughs> 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 One of his tasks soon after his arrival was to attempt to make peace between the Poles and the Ukrainian nationalists. I wouldn't send him. He's not a, he's not a peacekeeper, is he? No. <laughs> the Ukrainians were besieging the city of Lwów, um, and he was unsuccessful and formed a negative view of Petl Yura, who was the leader of the nationalists, especially after Ukrainian forces machine-gunned his train, killing two Polish officers aboard. From Worst. There... <laughs> Worst soldier. <laughs> From there, he went on to Paris to report on Polish conditions to the British Prime Minister, David Lloyd George, and to General, General Sir Henry Wilson. Lloyd George was not sympathetic to Poland, and much to Carton de Wiart's annoyance, Britain sent next to no military supplies. Then he went back to Poland and many more frontline adventures, this time in the Bolshevik zone, where the situation was grave with Warsaw threatened. From all these affairs, Carton de Wiart developed a sympathy with the Poles and supported their claims to the eastern Galicia. This caused disagreement with Lloyd George at their next meeting, but was appreciated by the Poles. At one time during his Warsaw stay, he was a second in a, he was a, second in a duel between Polish members of the Mysliski Club, Miss Lewiski? The other second being Baron Karl Gustav Emil Mannerheim, later Commander-in-Chief of Finnish Armies in World War II and President of Finland. Norman Davies reports that he was compromised in a gun-running operation from Budapest using stolen wagon lits. He became rather close to the Polish leader, Marshal Pil- Pilzudski, after an aircraft crash occasioning a brief period in Lithuanian captivity, he went back to England to report, this time to the Secretary of State for War, Winston Churchill. He passed on to Churchill Pilsudski's prediction that the white Russian offensive under General Anton Denikin, directed at Moscow, would fail. It did shortly thereafter. Churchill was more sympathetic to Polish needs than Lloyd George and succeeded over Lord George's objections in sending some material to Poland. 
On the 27th of July 1920, Carton de Wiart was appointed aide-de-camp to the king and breveted to colonel. He was active in August 1920 when the Red Army were at the gates of Warsaw. While out on his observation train, he was attacked by a group of Red Cavalry and fought them off with his revolver from the footplate of his train. At one point, falling on the track and reboarding quickly. He is James Bond. When the Poles won the war, the British military mission was wound up. Carton de Wiart was promoted to temporary brigadier general and was also appointed to the rank of major general on the 1st of January. He was promoted to the substantive rank of colonel on the 21st of June 1922 with seniority from the 27th of July 1920 and relinquished his local rank of major general on the 1st of April 1923, going on half pay as a colonel at the same time. Carton de Wiart officially retired from the army on the 19th of December with the honorary rank of Major General. I feel like he's had so many promotions that they just reused some of the titles yeah. there. So he's retired. That's nice. So he has. He didn't die at war. Well, he's, he's retired at this point, but obviously we yeah, know that he goes to the Second World War because we mentioned it earlier. So, um, oh, oh, yeah. More shit's going to go down in a sequel. Needless to say. But from 1924 to 1939, he was a Polish gentleman. His last Polish aide-de-camp was Prince Karol Mikolaj Radzwilly, who inherited a large 500,000-acre estate in eastern Poland when the communists killed his uncle. They became friends and Carton de Wiart was given the use of a large estate called Prostin in the Pripet Marshes, a large wetland area larger than Ireland and well known for waterfowl. Since borders have changed, it is now at the border between Belarus and Ukraine. Carton de Wiart's home was a converted hunting lodge on an island only a few miles from the Soviet border. In this location, Carton de Wiart spent the rest of his interwar years. In his memoirs, he said, I think I shot every day of those 15 years I spent in the marshes and the pleasure never paled. I hit nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the waterfowl shot me. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> he returned to England for three months each year during the winter, returning in time for the breaking up of the ice on the frozen lakes and rivers. Well, that sounds nice. That's a nice way to have your retirement. I do hope a world war doesn't come oh. along and ruin things. I bet. Mm. Well, luckily he's in Poland and no one would invade them. After 15 years, Carton de Wiart's Polish peaceful life was interrupted by the oncoming war in July 1939, when he was recalled and appointed to his old job as head of the British military mission to Poland. See, I forgot that. I was thinking... Don't go back to war, that's insane. But I forgot that you kind of have to go back to war in those times. It sounds yeah. like the plot to Rambo. It's like, you finished the first one, it's like, oh, now he gets to retire and get on with his life. Is that what happens at the end of Rambo? I can't remember. No, he does not a Rambo. I'm thinking of another film. Or at he least some point pension. in Rambo where he thinks, oh, everything's fine. And then the colonel comes up and says, Rambo, mate, you needed. Yeah. He's got no legs. Does he say Rambo, mate? I think he does. He says, Rambo, mate, <laughs> get your jacket on. <laughs> Pick up all of the guns. <laughs> You don't know how to use. Yeah. Why don't you know how to use them? <laughs> if, you could, if you could just wear as much ammunition as possible, please. <laughs> Poland was attacked by Nazi Germany on the 1st of September, and on the 17th of September, the Soviets, allied with Germany, attacked Poland from the east. Soon, Soviet forces overran Prostina, and Carton de Wiart lost all his guns, rods, clothes, and furniture. They were packed up by the Soviets and stored in the Minsk Museum, but destroyed by the Germans in later fighting. He never saw the area again, but has, as he said, they could not take my memories. Mm. Oh, beautiful. 
Probably the shot in the skull took some of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, there are ways that they could remove some of those memories. So during the Second World War, the Polish campaign, Carton de Wiart met with the Polish commander-in-chief, Marshal of Poland, Edward Rydz-Schmigli, in late August 1939 and formed a rather low opinion of his capabilities. He strongly urged Rydz-Schmigli to pull, force, pull Polish forces back beyond the Vistula River, but was unsuccessful. The other advice he offered, to have the seagoing units of the Polish fleet leave the Baltic Sea, was, after much argument, finally adopted. This fleet made a significant contribution to the Allied cause, especially the several modern destroyers and submarines. As, po as Polish resistance weakened, Carton de Wiart evacuated his mission from Warsaw along with the Polish government. Together with the Polish commander Rydz-Schmidli, Carton de Wiart made his way to the rest of the British mission from the Romanian border with both the Germans and Soviets in pursuit. His car... His car convoy was attacked by the Luftwaffe on the road and the wife of one of his aides was killed. He was in danger of arrest in Romania and got out by aircraft on the 21st of September with a false passport just in time as the pro-allied Romanian Prime Minister Armand Kalinescu was assassinated that day. God, he's a lucky bastard, isn't he? How did he survive this long? I don't know if you can describe somebody with that few ex of their extremities remaining as lucky. Mm. But I take your point as well. Mm. He was appointed as the head of the British Yugoslavian military mission in April 1941. Hitler was preparing to invade the country and the Yugoslavs asked for British help. Carton de Wiart travelled in a Wellington bomber to Belgrade, Serbia to negotiate with the Yugoslavian government. After refuelling in Malta, the air aircraft left for Cairo with enemy territory to the north and south. Both engines failed on the coast of the Italian-controlled <laughs> Libya and the plane crash-landed in the sea about a mile from land. Carton de Wiart was knocked unconscious, but the cold water brought him to. When the plane broke up and sank, he and the rest aboard were forced to swim to shore. They were captured by the Italian authorities. At this point, Anton Adrian Carton de Wiart is 61 years old. Whoa, really? Uh-huh. There were a number of senior officer prisoners here because of the successes achieved by Rommel in North Africa in early 1941. Carton de Wiart made friends, especially with General Sir Richard O'Connor, Thomas Daniel Knox, 6th Earl of Ranfurly, and Lieutenant General Philip Neem, VC. In letters to his wife, Ranfurly described Carton de Wiart in captivity as a delightful character, he said. He must hold the record for bad language. <laughs> <laughs> Ranfurly was endlessly amused by him. He really is a nice person, superbly outspoken. Oh, lovely. He made a friend. So they're in this posh prisoner of war camp yeah. where they're being served high tea. I don't know. Holidays. Yeah. The four were in committed Italy as well. in Ooh, Italy. Not yeah, bad, is it? Nice. Damn. The four were committed to escaping. He made five attempts, including seven months tunnelling. Wow. Once Carton de Wiart evaded capture for eight days, disguised as an Italian peasant. Now, this man is a disguise. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well have those fake nose and moustache combos that you can get. Mm. He was in northern Italy, could not speak Italian, at 61 years old with an eye patch, one empty sleeve and multiple injuries and scars. <laughs> Ironically, Carton de Wiart had been approved for repatriation due to his disability, but notification arrived after his escape. Oh. As the repatriation would have required that he promised not to take any further part in the war, it is probable that he would have declined. Yeah, I think we can safely say that. Yeah. 
Then, in a surprising development, although nothing could surprise mm. me about this story, Carton de Wiart was taken from prison in August 1943 and driven to Rome. The Italian government was secretly planning to leave the war and wanted Canton de Wiart to send the message to the British army about a peace treaty with the UK. Carton de Wiart was to accompany an Italian negotiator, General Giacomo Zanussi, to Lisbon to meet Allied contacts and facilitate the surrender. But to keep the cover, Carton de Wiart was told he needed civilian clothes. Distrusting Italian tailors, he stated that he had no objection provided he did not resemble a gigolo. <laughs> In Happy Odyssey, he described the resultant suit okay, as so being... Okay, so you mentioned the suit. Yeah. But not, not his wife, wife or his, or his No, or either of his daughters. But he does talk about his suit. As good as anything that ever came out of Savile Row. Oh, that's a good review. Yeah. Nice. So it's more of a fashion blog than anything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When they reached Lisbon, Carton de Wiart was released and made his way to England, reaching there on the 28th of August, 1943. Surely that's enough. That's enough now. Oh no, off to China. China mission, 1943 to 1947. Within a month of his arrival back in England, Carton de Wiart was summoned to spend a night at at the Prime Minister's country home at Chequers. Churchill informed him that he was to be sent to China as his personal representative. He was granted the rank of Acting Lieutenant General on 9th of October and left by air for India on the 18th of October 1943. As his accommodation in China was not ready, Carton de Wiart spent time in India getting an understanding of the situation in China. Before arriving in China, Carton de Wiart attended the 1943 Cairo Conference organised by Churchill, US President Roosevelt and Chinese General Chiang Kai-shek. There is a famous picture of these leaders gathered in Cairo Garden with Carton de Wiart standing behind them in company. And there is the picture, and there is an empty-sleeved, one-eyed Carton de Wiart standing behind (laughs) Churchill and Roosevelt. A good part of Carton de Wiart's reporting had to do with the increasing power of the Chinese communists. The historian Max Hastings writes, De Wiart despised all communists on principle. He denounced Mao Zedong as a fanatic and added, I cannot believe he means business. He told the (laughs) British cabinet that there was no conceivable alternative to Chiang as ruler of China. He met Mao Zedong at dinner and had a memorable exchange with him, interrupting his propaganda speech to criticise him for holding back from fighting the Japanese for domestic political reasons. Mao was briefly stunned and then laughed. After the Japanese surrender in August 1945, Carton de Wiart flew to Singapore to participate in the formal surrender. After a visit to Peking, he moved to Nanking, the now liberated nationalist capital, accompanied by Julian Amory, the British Prime Minister's personal representative to Chiang. A visit to Tokyo to meet General Douglas MacArthur came at the end of his tenure. He was now 66 and ready to retire, despite the offer of a job by Chiang. <laughs> Carton de Wiart retired in October 1947 with the honorary rank of Lieutenant General. <sighs> Retirement and death. Uh, he died. <laughs> it just seems so unlikely. They rebuilt him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. En route home via French Indochina, Carton de Wiart stopped in Rangoon as a guest of the army commander. Coming downstairs, he slipped on a coconut matting, <laughs> fell down, <laughs> broke several vertebrae, and knocked himself unconscious. <sighs> He eventually made it to England and into a hospital where he slowly recovered. The doctors succeeded in extracting a large amount of shrapnel from his old wounds. He recovered and then went to Belgium to visit relatives. 
His wife died in 1949, although what she's been doing all of this time, I have no idea. And in 1951, at the age of 71, he married Ruth Myrtle Muriel Joan McKechnie. That that was his... He had a type. I like women with lots of names. Yeah. I I don't want to have anything to do with them, but I want them to have lots of names. Mm -hmm. Ruth Myrtle Muriel Joan McKechnie, a divorcee known as Joan Sutherland. None of those names are Joan or Sutherland. (laughs) Well, there is Joan in there, but yeah, that's still pretty weird. (laughs) A woman 23 years his junior. Oh, such a lad. He's a lad. Born in late 1903, she died on the 13th of January 2006 at the age of 102. Jesus. And they settled at Aganeg House, Kilnardish, County Cork, Ireland. Carton de Wiart died at the age of 83 on the 5th of June 1963. He left no papers. He and his wife Joan are buried in Calm Churchyard just off the main McCroom Road. The gravesite is just outside the actual graveyard wall on the grounds of his own home, Agniag House. Carton de Wiart's will was probated in Ireland at £4,158 and in England at £3,496. There you go. What a life. It's not a way to get rich, is it? No. Warring. I can't believe that he was on his way home to retire and he slipped on coconut matting broke several vertebrae and knocked himself unconscious and this this reminds me as well of um jack churchill who was a similar british nut job who loved war and his wikipedia is very entertaining as well i think we might have to do that one day (laughs) thank you very much i hope that you enjoyed listening to our second bonus episode and thank you matt latham for your suggestion and we will resume new normal service. Normal. Normal. It's like it is going to be normal. very normal. Normal. We will be back with normal service resuming on Tuesday. See you then. Bye. 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 Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.